Hello everyone and welcome to Teaching Writing in College where the driving question is how can instructors in higher education leverage theory, science, pedagogy, and craft most effectively to help their learners with writing. And I thought today we could work on a five-minute classroom idea, uh, something that I really like, um, one of my favorite articles I think on learning transfer. And uh, this would focus an entire class period's worth of learning on transfer uh, in the way that uh, kind of depending on how you do it. Um, I think this would work really well. I use it in my classes a lot. Uh, but it comes from uh, Randy Engel and her colleagues. And uh, the first place I encountered it was in this article that I have on the screen, uh, the citation for. It's uh, from the Educational Psychologist, the academic journal. And the title is, How Does Expansive Framing Promote Transfer? Several propo Proposed Explanations and a Research Agenda for Investigating Them. And that was uh, in 2012, Educational Psychologist, Volume 47, Issue Number 3, pages 215 to 231. I highly encourage everybody to look this up and read it. Really good. And then also some of the other studies. It's rehearsing some of the other studies that Engel has done. And one of their main contentions is that physical context matters, but so does social context. So some of the literature on writing or learning transfer says that our brains connect what we learn to the context where we learned it. And physical context is important, and they talk about that. But then also there's the social context. So this becomes really important for writing because, as we know, writing is a social act. And so... Uh, I really like uh, the ideas here. And the main idea well, uh, in this article is the idea of expansive framing versus bounded framing. So Engel and her colleagues look at framing this way. This is the definition they borrow. It's the meta-communicative act of characterizing what is happening in a context and how people are participating in it. And so it's how we, for us, it's how we depict the social realities in our classrooms, what's going on, uh, why we're doing things, and so on. So uh, there uh, she goes on, she and her colleagues go on to explain expansive framing and bounded framing. So expansive framing is expanding the way we frame learning to include the contexts where it is meant to be used because most classroom learning really is meant to be used somewhere else. Characterizing, setting expectations for, and reflecting on the learning in the classroom context and how students will use it outside the classroom context. So teachers' communication and expectations can set a perception of intercontextuality for students. Uh, and it also uh, brings attention to prior, current, and future contexts. Whereas bounded framing, on the other hand, is limiting the way that we characterize learning to a single context, such as a classroom, maybe a semester, maybe getting a good rate on the final paper, um, here's what the teacher is looking for, those kinds of things would be bounded framing. And if we advance the slide here, uh, in uh, the 2012 article uh, that we're talking about, um, I've just got a screenshot here. Uh, there are some uh, graphics that uh, kind of depict expansive framing versus bounded framing. And for those who are listening, uh, the expansive framing graphic, it's got, looks like three contexts there represented by circles. And then uh, there are some circles around the circles that sort of join the different contexts. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's, it's about kind of enveloping whatever's happening in the central context, you know, where the students are, which is probably the classroom, and then also drawing connections between that and 
the future contexts, concurrent contexts, or previous contexts, and so on. Whereas bounded framing, um, that's depicted by different kinds of shapes, like we've got a hexagon here, and a square, and a circle, a triangle, and a diamond. And they're all separate. There, are, There's nothing that's connecting those together. And um, one of the main claims in the article is that expansive framing is shown to promote transfer, whereas bounded framing is shown to discourage transfer. And then uh, there are uh, also uh, within this, in this screenshot, there are some aspects of contexts that can be framed. And so setting uh, the setting in which learning is happening in terms of time or place or participants or the roles they play are all important here. And one way to deal with that if we talk about expansive framing is it's also got a list here of uh, things to um, draw students' attention to other settings. And so, uh, for example, in terms of time, uh, a teacher can refer to um, whatever is happening, whatever studying is going on as a whole, including uh, both days. They're actually talking about a an experiment that they ran, and so um, that, that's how they were dealing with expanded framing in that experiment. So um, I think it ran for two days. I think I have more on the next slide about it, but um, they ran an experiment for a couple of days, and when they were talking to students, they would refer to the student a little bit more generally over both days. But, um, for example, bounded framing in their study with their participants, if they had a, a study that went across two days, if it spanned different days, they would refer to each part of the day session as a separate event. And so they wouldn't you know, spend a lot of time dwelling on uh, the fact that it was connected, to, that whatever was happening in, in at one time was also connected to something that would happen later. And so uh, also just another example, just in terms of time, um, using present progressive verbs. That's one thing that they would do with their verbiage when they were talking to participants, such as you're figuring out X, Y, Z, so it's more of a process. Uh, instead of bounded framing, which would use simple past with completion verbs, we're finished with that now. And so uh, things along those lines. Or we've another one that just popped into my mind that uh, um, I've been known to say in the classroom is uh, we've covered that or, or something like that. Place. Um, another example is uh, what they did in the study is they framed location as at a university. And that was expansive. Bounded in this particular case was they would frame the location as at this specific room. And so just different things like that would uh, you know, make a difference, they thought. And uh, they were found, they found that uh, it did make a difference in transfer. And I have a little bit more about the study here. Um, so what they did in the 2012 article, they were talking in part about an experiment in tutoring from a previous article in 2011, in which they found that students being tutored with an expansive versus a bounded framing were about twice as likely to appropriately transfer facts, a conceptual principle, and a learning strategy from one human body system to another. And the study was about you know, learning about the cardiovascular system and then applying ideas from that to the respiratory system. And that was in another study, which I also highly recommend. I think they're just fascinating. Um, Engel and her colleagues in 2011, 
the influence of framing on transfer, initial evidence from a tutoring experiment in the journal Instructional Science, volume 39, pages 603 to 628. So that also um, is a really good one to read. But uh, that's the study I think that they were talking about, if I remember correctly. I didn't go back and review the full article in detail uh, before starting the podcast, so I apologize for that, but uh, I think we get the idea. Um, Another uh, thing that can be framed, uh, another part of the social context is the participants, if we go back to the previous slide, where um, in an expansive framing way, what they would do is treat the larger activity as involving the student, um, you and the rest of the study team, plus their family, their friends, teachers, anyone else uh, that they mention. Um, And then uh, over here on the bounded side, treat tutoring event as a private matter involving only uh, you, the uh, instructor and the student, and not other members of the study team or other people that they know. And so uh, you can see how uh, bounded framing is just kind of putting everything in a box into one small context and uh, treating it as a one-time event, uh, treating it as a one goal. some of the things that I think of when I think of bounded framing are, you know, if you want to get a good grade on such and such a paper in this writing course, then we need to do this, that, or the other. That seems very bounded to me. Whereas expansive, it's about learning tools, and then how do we apply it to this, and then how do we adapt it to some other context that you're working in. So just a couple of samples from my class. One thing that I've done over the years, especially, I think this comes, you know, just from reading this uh, literature on expanded expansive framing uh, i like to have a class motto and i spend a lot of time working with college freshmen just out of high school and so one that i like to use that's memorable to them and we re- i repeat this with them quite a bit um, what happens in vegas stays in vegas but what happens in english 105 happens everywhere else including our majors and our careers with adaptation and what i like to do with that is i like to Uh, just have students repeat it once in a while. Sometimes they'll ask me a question and I might repeat it in response to the question or I might use it as a way to sum up something that we've been working on. And so uh, I really like to use it as uh, just something that's memorable and they really do remember it. So I had a, uh, I remember last year um, in one of my classes, I had a student approach me and she uh, told me that she knew a student that I had from the previous year because they went to the same high school. And uh, she actually uh, got this student up on FaceTime and he answered uh, the phone. And the first thing that I asked him, because she wanted to include me in this FaceTime, so I asked him, well, uh, I I think his name was Josh. Josh, what happens in Vegas? And so he started to groan a little bit, but he knew exactly what it was. And so did the student who was in the class with me at the time, um, uh, just talking with me after class there. But I have students repeat that. I just say, repeat after me. What happens in Vegas? Let them say it stays in Vegas. What happens in English 105? Let them say it happens everywhere else. Let them say that, including our majors and our careers with adaptation so that they uh, just kind of internalize that. I just set the expectation. So that's something that I do all semester long. Um, Another thing that I like to do during a class period that can be really helpful, I think, just uh, this would probably only take about five minutes of a class period, maybe 10 um, at the most, but um, 
just uh, enough reflection that, uh, where am I here? Oh, so here we go. Some individual reflection. Maybe at the beginning of class, uh, I'd, I'd break it into two parts. Uh, just um, in class, at the beginning, I might just frame the entire class period as being about a different context by asking students individually to review their upcoming work in other classes with this prompt. Review your upcoming work in your other classes. What reading, quizzes, lectures, papers, labs, or other activities are coming up? Just to to give them a minute to think about what's going on in those other classes. And then I might uh, go through a bunch of activities with them, and in some cases we might review those uh, things that we've done before, or they might learn some new things. And so recently, uh, and then toward the end of class, have them do a group activity, uh, just in terms of a learning inventory. And so uh, toward the end of class, I might ask them, what concepts or strategies for writing did we learn or practice today? And so some might be new, uh, some might be things we just learned, some might be things that we're repracticing just because practice is important as well. And so um, I remember recently uh, we covered causal chains, familiar to unfamiliar, citing sources, adjusting for style. And those all are important things, all different skills that are really helpful in writing. And uh, we had practiced them. And so just have them, you know, go back and review what those things were for that particular day. And then have them go back to some individual work briefly. And at the end of class, ask them before we leave, in your other classes, where are you most likely to see or use our strategies from today? Make a brief note to yourself about each opportunity you think you see. And so that may have given them uh, a chance at the beginning of class to say, okay, um, what am I doing in my other classes? Um, English 105, which is what I teach, uh, I'm teaching right now is really in a lot of ways about supporting my other classes, have them think about that at the beginning, and then at the end, have them say to themselves, okay, what did I learn and how can I use that in my other classes? Maybe they'll say something like, well, I might uh, recognize some cause and effect in a piece of reading that I have to do, um, or I might be able to organize some of the paragraphs in an essay that I have to write better uh, using familiar to unfamiliar or maybe I have some source citation I need to do, just whatever it is. Maybe I'll recognize one of the strategies in a lecture that I know that I have to attend, uh, or maybe I need to adjust my style, because maybe a lab report sounds a little bit different from a different type of writing that they might have to do in another class. And so lots of possibilities there for some reflection that they could do. And just having them make a note to themselves, you know, how would they use this later? Uh, perhaps that will give them a little boost as they consider transfer. And so that's all I have for this podcast. And I just wanted to go over that. I think the uh, idea of bounded framing versus expansive framing is a really important one. And it uh, is really inspiring to me as a teacher. How do I get my students to think about what they're going to use the skills in my class for? when they go out into their other classes. Uh, some of them have jobs. How will they use it in their jobs? I have students tell me about that sometimes, about how they've used something uh, where they work or with their friends. Um, everything that we do, you know, when you think about writing conceptually, the, uh, er, anything that we do in an academic writing course also does happen in their communications with their friends or their family or 
things like that too. You know, they have to adjust their style and their tone when they're texting their friends or whatever. And so just asking them outside of class where they are using the skills or where they have opportunities to use the skills, I think can really be helpful to them. So that's all I have for now. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please like, subscribe, and share. And I look forward to uh, doing more podcasts. Thank you so much.